My mother is a full-blooded French woman, and with that came uh, a lot of life just surrounded by French things, and we would travel to France quite often, and one of the things I love is uh, we have a, a ton of family who lives uh, in France all over the place, and uh, we would go, I started from age 10 uh, all the way through my life uh, to travel to France, and one of the things that's really wonderful about French people, and our family in particular, is we would go and we would show up at the home of one of our relatives around noon, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, and, and uh, we would have a little, little uh, appetizer and, and uh, just enjoy each other. We would then from there play games and just laugh and share stories and, and get to know each other deeper and uh, then it became around 5 o'clock, and then we would eat a little more appetizers and salads and cheeses. And, uh, and then around 7 o'clock, we would have sort of a main course, and, you know, we would have the, the whole shebango, the escargot, and les poissons, hee hee hee, ho ho ho, and we would have all of that. And then we had in our family uh, actually a, a French chef who was a pastry chef. And so as the culmination of the evening came about, uh, we would have some of the finest French uh, pastries that you could ever imagine. It was a whole day of just sitting around a banquet table and just loving each other and enjoying life together. And it was leisurely. It was intimate. We really got to know each other. And the whole time was just around eating and celebrating and enjoying. Those memories, again, from even when I was 10, I can vividly, I can see the people. I remember what we ate. They impressed upon my life a lifestyle of, of just sitting at the banquet table and enjoying the goodness of life together. And I'm here to tell you this morning that our Lord is inviting you and he's inviting me to this beautiful banquet with him. He's asking you and I to draw near, to come a little closer, to be a little bit more intimate, to know him. If you remember in <clears throat> Revelation 3, Jesus is being spoke of and he is one who is speaking to the churches of Revelation. And he says, I stand at the door and I knock. And he who hears my voice and opens the door, here's the promise. I will come in and I will sup with him. I will eat with him and he will eat with me. It's another banquet, another feast. And God is calling us into his presence to enjoy who he is. To receive his forgiveness, to have life in him. To be blessed by him, to be restored, renewed. This chapter in Exodus 24 that we're going to be looking at this morning, I think is one of the most beautiful, powerful, significant passages in all of Scripture. Because it's about our covenant-making God, he is going to enter into covenant with his people out of his radical love for us 
to show us how to become worshipers, to show us how to have relationship with him. And he's drawing us to the mountain at Mount Sinai and inviting us to come up. He wants to give us life. And he wants us to know who he is. And so we enter into this covenant relationship as we come to Exodus 24. If you have your Bibles, read along with me. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the seventy of the elders of Israel. And you shall worship at a distance. Moses alone, however, shall come near to the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people come up with him. Then Moses came and recounted to the people all the words of the Lord and all the ordinances of all the people answered with one voice. And they said, all the words which the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses wrote down the words of the Lord. And then he arose early in the morning and he built an altar at the foot of the mountain with 12 pillars for the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent the young men and the sons of Israel and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as peace offerings to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and he put it in basins and the other half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And then he took the book of the covenant and he read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. And so Moses took the blood and he sprinkled it on the people and he said, Behold, the blood of the covenant, which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. God is calling his people into a covenant relationship with him. The covenant being a sacred relationship. It's established by God. In which God belongs to his people. In which his people belong to him. And the good news is, is that God cannot break his covenant. Even though we do. To understand, we run away from the Lord. We choose to live a lifestyle that is disobedient to Him. We break covenant. And you see the beauty of the Lord all throughout the history of mankind? He comes after us. Do you know why? Because He can't break His covenant. You're my people. If there's just one sheep that wanders off, I will go after them. The good news is God wants that relationship with us. And because we are His people, we are no longer our own. We are bought with a price. We belong to Him. He is our Lord. And your beautiful, valuable life, He says, belongs to me. I can't let you go on destroying yourself in that sin. I need to intervene so that you can have life with me again. Oh, God comes after us. And as he enters into this covenant because he loves his people, he draws up the 70 elders of Israel and he draws up Moses and Aaron and Aaron's children. And they go up the hill and he says, come near, 
You're to worship at a distance, but I want you to come because I want you to worship me. And it's the 70 elders representing the whole community. 70 signified that. And they were to come and to hear from the Lord. And Moses, the mediator, the one who again reflects the image of Christ, the mediator for us. Moses recounts it was oral tradition to to speak forth what God was saying. And he speaks forth the words, it's called, in which those were specifically the Ten Commandments and the ordinances, which is the Book of Covenant, which we've been taking a look at the last couple of weeks in chapter 19 through 23. All of the, the ways to live in a loving community and in obedience. And Moses, the mediator, he wrote down in preparation for the covenant. And one of the things that was wonderful to think about is these are the first words that we see Moses is writing down, I think, our first manuscripts of, of Scripture. The Book of Covenant and the words were the first writings that we have today in our Bible. And he wrote them out because to put them into ink was to prepare for the covenant. Covenant, it would be binding. And as the people heard and they listened to Moses' recount, they said, we will do all that you have said. And in verse 7, we will do and we will be obedient. They take it even a step further. Do you remember the moment in your life where you said, yes, Lord? We said, God, I want to give my life to you because I need you as my Savior. God, I don't even know how to live for you, but I want to give my life to you. Because you're the only hope I have. And I cannot live this life on my own. And I want to follow. I want to be obedient. Do you remember the moment he freed you up from the bondage of sin and you were delivered from that sinful lifestyle? And the cry is, Lord, help me to live for you. We don't have it all figured out. You know, I, I really pray that we don't forget that when he accepted you and me, when you came to the Lord and said yes, like the Israelites, do you realize he knew all of the junk? That he took us in the full mess that we were? We didn't come with, thank God I have it all together, now let's have a relationship. Do you see the Israelites going, we want to be obedient? Do you see God going, I know there's no way you're going to do this. But I accept you as you are. And I will help you to be obedient. And I know in the next chapter you're going to be disobedient. You know what I mean? He knows. Living out a life saying yes, and we give that verbal Lord, we want to be obedient, but again, our lifestyle often is a no. And yet God receives us and says, come and worship me. I want to enter into covenant. And so Moses helps his people. He leads them into this covenant with the Lord. He builds an altar to the Lord that signifies the presence of God. 
they are going to come and they are going to meet with the Almighty. And any time that we come into the presence of the Lord on a Sunday morning, wherever we are at, and we choose to come closer to God and we talk to God, when we enter into His presence, it can be nothing but worship. Because our God is beautiful and awesome and He is our Savior. And so we enter into worship of our God. And the Lord in chapter 24 is teaching His people how to be worshipers of Him. Just as He's teaching you and me. And as we come together on Sundays and go, Lord, we we long to worship You. We want You to be pleased with us. We don't just come here to see each other and say hello. We come here because You're our God. And we want to live for you. And so he teaches us. It really was, I think, the first worship service that we see in Exodus 24. There was a, there was a call to worship. Come to the mountain. There was the reading of God's word. There was the response, the confession of faith. We will see later on that there was the sharing of the sacramental meal. All of this done in the oversight and the leading of the elders of Israel at the time. And as they're coming into worship, all of this done in the presence of the holy, awesome, glorious God. Who I think smiled upon his people like a proud parent watching his little child take the very first steps. And then they stumble into your arms. Do you understand? It's a birth of a nation. He's teaching them how to have life in worship of himself. Do you think we just get that? Man, how patient God is with us. How patient he is. And he knows you're taking your steps, but then you collapse in my arms. And that's the best place to collapse. Saying, God, I want to do it. I need you to help me to live this life. And so as he prepares them for worship, then we see very clearly in this chapter the necessity of sacrifice. To draw closer to the Lord, there must be sacrifice. And Moses was very careful to lead his people into proper worship. And there was the burnt offering in which the whole animal was consumed by flame. And they were valuable animals. It was a valuable sacrifice. The best the whole thing consumed. And then there was what's called the fellowship offering or the peace offering where parts of the animal were sacrificed and the rest was to be in a fellowship meal as they worshipped God. And the blood showed that this covenant was a matter of life or death. It's always by the blood. Blood which gives us life, which pulsates through us. Without it, there is death. Blood, which signifies the cost, the value. There is always the blood. And it showed that this covenant, again, was significant for the people. And that the covenant was sealed in blood. Do you understand, when the people said, we will follow, that wasn't the sealing of the covenant. It wasn't their verbal response that sealed the deal. It was the sacrifice that sealed the deal. 
Because you and I both know that we cannot keep the covenant. There had to be a price paid. There isn't enough bulls on the earth to offer a sacrifice that will allow us in front of a holy God as a sinful people. And so God prepares a way. And as we understand that this is the blood, we understand our hunger and our need for a Savior, and it deepens within us. And so the sacrifice is made, and, and Moses goes in the morning, he sets up the altar, and, and the altar is poured out blood upon the altar. The sacrifice is made, and it symbolizes the forgiveness of our sins. God accepted their sacrifice. They were now included in the covenant. And then we see somewhat of a barbaric scene. It's almost like a bad horror movie where the blood is sprinkled on the altar and then it is sprinkled on the people. You are included in this covenant because of the blood. It has been shed for you. You are included in the forgiveness And along with it, you are included in all the benefits of this covenant. And what are the benefits? You get to come into the presence of holy Yahweh. You get to come into the presence of God Almighty. You get to have a relationship with the Lord who loves you. I will make a way for you. And all of this covenant at Mount Sinai is important for us to understand because it really shows us how to have right relationship with God. It's always been the basis of relationship, the blood spilled. And so the Old Testament sacrifices that we will see throughout the Old Testament, they they teach God's people to look for salvation by blood. Innocent life for sinful life. All of this preparing the way for Jesus to come. They would know the blood had to be spilled. And as we see in the New Covenant and the New Testament, Jesus and the necessity of Him dying on the cross for us, but now in Christ, Jesus, you were, you were once far away, but now you have brought near, been brought near through the blood of Christ. Colossians 1 says, For God was pleased to have all of His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace with us, through His blood shed on the cross. It is Christ, and it's Him alone. He is the one who died for us. And it's his blood that needed to be shed for us. But the wonderful thing is, and we'll be celebrating this in April, is that he didn't stay on that cross. He rose again. That's the good news to all mankind. And that he died for our sin. And he rose again, defeating death. And he offered forgiveness to the world. And he said, oh, if you would believe upon me because I have paid the price for you, 
You will have life everlasting. You will be in eternal covenant with me forever. And we will have life in eternity forever. The covenant continues. He is the final sacrifice, Hebrews 9 says, but now he has appeared once and for all to the end of all ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And so because of the sacrifice, here again is the good news. We are invited to the banquet table of God. That Moses won up, verse 9, with Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the 70 of the elders of Israel. And they won up, and look at verse 10, and they saw God. Can you just wrap your brain around this? They saw God. This is no little casual encounter. And look at what they saw. This is the only thing they could even explain. And under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel. And they saw God and they ate and they drank with God Almighty. You know, some people say, well, all they saw was his feet. Because they they could just see the pavement. That's all they were allowed to get a glimpse of. We know that later on in 33 that, that God covers up Moses so he can't see him. And so we wrestle with what did they see? Some say it was pre incarnate Christ. The Hebrew word is ra'ah. They beheld God. They gazed upon him. And all I know is this, that God somehow allowed them to see him. It was this beautiful gift of relationship. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That God wants this relationship, and yet he's holy God. But it's been covered by the blood. And now we enter in. And we too see God and shall see him in all his glory. They gazed upon him and he revealed more of himself to the, to the Israelite leaders. And they saw the beauty. Ezekiel saw God in Ezekiel 1. And he, and he said, it was awesome. It was like sparkling ice. And above the expanse over the heads looked like what was a throne of sapphire. And John in Revelation says, And before the throne there what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Isaiah in Isaiah 6 says, I'm a man of unclean lips. Woe to me, I've seen God Almighty. But look what God does. They see Him, whatever they see, the beauty of the Lord. And instead of running in fear, which is where they've been this whole time, they sit and they eat and they drink 
and they have a fellowship meal with God. And the meal, as you know, is this wonderful connection for the Israels in their mind to have meal with each other was we are in relationship with each other. I think this point was more significant for them than the blood spilled. It was God wants to have a meal with us. We enter into relationship. It's almost as if family in their thinking. And God allows them to have supper with him. A beautiful ceiling upon this covenant. And God invites us to this banquet table. That's been his desire from the beginning of time. Do you remember in Exodus 5, he says, Hey, go to Pharaoh Moses and tell him this. Moses, let my people go so that they may come to me and that they may hold a feast unto me in the desert. And here we are. A feast before the Lord. And it's going to be the beginning of many feasts. It's going to be God setting up a relationship, the Feast of Tabernacles and the Feast of Passover and Pentecost. And every time that the feast comes to a culmination, after worship has been given, the next part of worship is let them come and eat and rejoice in me, the Lord their God. All throughout Scripture, you cannot get away from the joy of the Lord in feasting and having supper with His people, this beautiful meal together. Jesus' whole ministry seemed to be around the table. He loved to eat. I'm sure he was half Italian. He had to be. He was always eating with people. Hey, little man up there in the tree, Zacchaeus, today I must eat because I want the spaghetti. And we got to go. I'm hungry. I must eat with you. Why? Because I want to show you that we're going to have a relationship together. And everybody, everybody who watched in judgment of Zacchaeus, they couldn't help, I'm sure, but go, this Jesus enters into this bond of relationship with sinners, repentant sinners, who say, Lord, I want to get right with you. And sinners are welcome. Come, have relationship. Let God penetrate your heart. Levi, remember Matthew too? I got to eat with you. The worst of all sinners, the people thought. God transformed their lives, became one of the disciples. Isaiah prophesied the Messianic banquet for all who will come. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. David, in his view of God as the loving shepherd, says, You prepared a banquet, a feast for me, a table in the presence of my enemies, O God. And Jesus had a special meal. God shared in the fullness of His Son, Jesus Christ, with this ragtag team of sinners known as disciples. 
in this beautiful meal. Listen to Jesus who in the beginning was the Word, who was with God and who was God. Listen to Jesus who was in the beginning, that through Him all things were made and without Him nothing was made that has been made. And in Him was life and that life was the light of men. Hear from the God of Sinai, speaking through his son Jesus at this Passover meal in the upper room. Take this bread, each of you, and partake of it. This is my body, broken for you. Take this cup and each of you drink of this cup. This is the blood of my covenant. Do you see all of history and that time of Sinai rushing forth in the present time in the upper room? Moses saying, this is the blood of the covenant. Jesus saying, This is my blood of the covenant. I want relationship with you. And it takes the blood to be shed that we might have this. Because I invite you to the banquet table that we might sup together. We don't come to the old covenant, Hebrews reminds us. We don't come to the mountain that was burning with fire and darkness and the gloom and to the storm. But Hebrews says in in chapter 12, But you have come to Mount Zion, to a heavenly Jerusalem, to the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And you have been sprinkled by the blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And I want you, Jesus says, to come to the banquet table to draw near to me and to worship me. And so we want to do that this morning together. God invites you to draw near. Like the Israelites, come to my mountain and come up. I'm setting you apart to worship me and me alone. And as you come to the banquet table, this meal shared, Jesus and his disciples, this feast of Passover, they say, that blood was shed for you. My body broken for you. And now you are free to worship me and have this loving relationship with me. I hope it might be a time for you, maybe like the Israelites where they were in the desert and they're just like, we want to be obedient. Yet the next step is they worship a golden calf. And maybe that's where your life has been. It's like, yes, Lord, I follow, but I continue to live for myself. You've covered me with your blood. You've forgiven me. 
And so come to the banquet table with your heart to give your life to Christ, a holy and pleasing sacrifice to Him. Rededicating your life to live in obedience. Don't just give lip service to God. I pray that you might think about, again, that you are forgiven. Peter, I don't need to wash all of you, just your feet. Because you're washed by my blood. And you need to know as you come to the banquet table that you come freely because you are cleansed. May you draw one step closer to God as we enter into this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed pure. Christ's body and his blood, broken and shed for you. It's because of the blood that again we freely can come to the table and have communion with God. And Moses went up to the mountain and God called him up. He said, Moses, come up here. And on the seventh day, Moses stepped into God's glory. He was consumed by him. And it says, Moses stayed there. And God remained there in this powerful, intimate relationship, setting up who he is as holy God. You can only imagine what the conversations must have been. But I'm sure Moses heard a lot. I love you, Moses. We're going to have relationship. I have allowed you to come into my presence. And I want your people to draw near. And I pray that for us. I pray again, wherever we're at spiritually this very day, that we would, through the power of the Holy Spirit, say, Lord, help me to draw closer. And enter into your glory, your beauty. Open my eyes, Lord, I want to see you more. And he invites us in. Come, eat at the banquet table of God. Enjoy his presence like Mary did at his feet. There will be a day where we will be in full glory, enjoying God in all his fullness. For eternity. I can't wait for that day. But as we live here on this earth, we enter in. Again, forgiven. So I want to encourage you to do so. Enjoy your Lord. Let him wash over you. He wants relationship. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your beauty. 
Lord, we, we want to be worshipers of you. And so I pray that through your Holy Spirit that you would teach our heart. That you would minister to us because we want to, we want to be pleasing to you. And so I just pray, Father, that you will fill us. And Lord, forgive us when we're disobedient. Thank you that you cleanse us from that, Lord. Thank you that you invite us in with all of our junk. Lord, I can't wait for that one day when you will come, we will go to you. The day we will stand in your presence. I can't even imagine what that's going to be like. Like Ezekiel and what he saw and what what the elders saw. We long for that day. Our, Our Our fleshly bodies ache for that. But while you have us here on this earth, may again we just come in in full worship of you and and allow us to see your glory and all the beautiful things that surround us and your life in us. In your precious name, amen.